Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is the Friday edition of Hardwood Handicappers. I am Jonathan Von Tobel flying solo today. Zach Cohen and Kelly Bidlin off. And we have a short slate today, so it'll be a pretty quick episode. Didn't want to bloviate too much with just me here talking into the void. Uh, really quickly, before we get into the short card for today, as we usually kind of do, we go back and we look at some of the things that happened last night. Not a ton to go. I mean, there is stuff to go over. Uh, for example, the Indiana Pacers and the Miami Heat. We had talked yesterday about Miami maybe being one of those teams that could get Indiana to play at their level, play at the pace that they want. Uh, not the case. 105 total possessions, 274 points. Game goes way over the total as well. Uh, Indiana, of course, an absolute machine to the over now. 15-3 and so far this season, and we're blowing through some of these numbers. It's been fascinating, really, to see that the Indiana Pacers continue to do this. So uh, wrong thought there that Miami was going to be able to slow this tempo down. They did get the win. They get the cover, uh, but that was not the case at all. The games that I was watching pretty closely, you know, it does suck. So yesterday I did have Lakers uh, plus the six against OKC. They ended up not covering 133 to 110. I couldn't even watch it. It never really like, you know, you, an edge is an edge that you think you have. So you'll bet games. But uh, part of me doesn't really like to put out uh, put wagers on games that I can't watch. And the Lakers, of course, are one of those teams being blacked out. So couldn't watch anything but the scoreboard. So Built an early lead, but ultimately fell apart. And from the second half on, it was all OKC. So a massive, massive game for the Oklahoma City Thunder. A 129.1 net rating, 133 points. Game goes over the total, and the Lakers don't come close to covering that number. Now, the games that I really watched in detail, uh, there were two of them. Utah and Minnesota, I don't think there's any really big takeaways from this one from a betting perspective. Um, this was a game that did have a bet on the under uh, yesterday. We talked about it. It finished with 191 total points. It is worth noting how much Minnesota really needs Anthony Edwards to help create their offense in some form or fashion. 106.3 offensive rating for Minnesota in this game against Utah. Half-court offensive rating of 87.5. Um, that's bad. And look, you're missing your best offensive player. That's uh, that's obvious. But to drop off that much against a team like Utah, who is a subpar defensive team, and not be able to operate efficiently at all in the half-court or in any shape as an offense – it was really bad to watch that thing for Minnesota, but their defense came through. So as we kind of move forward, I think the big takeaway to circle for Minnesota, if Anthony Edwards is going to miss time, whether it's continued time because of this hip injury or just any time in the near future, if he's going to be out for a game, these Minnesota unders are going to be something to definitely circle because they have nothing on offense without him, but they are still one of the better defensive teams still on the floor, even if he is not going to play. Uh, the other was the Los Angeles Clippers uh, on the road against Golden State Warriors. Watch this one in detail. Warriors ended up getting a 121-14 win. A uh, big thing here was Clippers defensively just didn't have it, you know, didn't have it going yesterday. 127.7 offensive rating for the Golden State Warriors. 
The Clippers cut that lead to 11 and a half time. They cut it to four-ish about multiple times in the second half, but it seemed that every time they got to within four, within striking distance, the Warriors had a timeout and then a run coming back the other way. And uh, not a good showing, obviously, for this Clippers defense, which had been playing particularly well uh, as of late. Um, and this is kind of the thing when you watch L.A. so far up to this point, which is just, you know, it's always something, right? So they go through a stretch where they've got three straight games where they have defensive ratings of 104.4 or better, but their offensive rating in those games, 104, 128.9, nice, but 106.9, 105. Like, it's just one thing or another with this team. The last two games, they've had offensive ratings of 135.8 and 120.2, very above average offensive ratings. Uh, defense suffers against Golden State and Sacramento, 127.7, 121.3, the defensive ratings in those games. So the, the inconsistency is somewhat maddening for this team when you really watch them. Uh, defensive breakdowns multiple times, uh, bad fouls, Kawhi Leonard taking some bad shots, not within the flow of the offense. So again, in the grand scheme of things, I still think the Clippers are going to be a playoff team. And when I say they'll fix things, I think they'll fix things to the point where they're, they're going to be an adequate NBA uh, basketball team, enough to push for a sixth seed in the Western Conference. But uh, if we're talking about grand, grand pick plans of winning an NBA Finals, doesn't seem to be very much in the cards here for the Los Angeles Clippers. And good for one Clay Thompson, who really broke out of in a big way, 22 points, six rebounds, two assists. I seem to have just a lot of clutch buckets, and so did Curry. Curry was awesome yesterday, scoring 26. But betting takeaways here, uh, I did think uh, Golden State would be a little worse for wear without um, Chris Paul, especially with that bench unit, but ultimately turned out to be uh, in a pretty good shape against the Los Angeles Clippers yesterday. So uh, with that, let's take a look at the card for today. Again, it's going to be a short episode. We've got about, what, six games on the card and a lot of injuries that are going to shape what the market looks like. As the day moves along, Washington and Orlando first up on the rotation. Washington opens up, uh, let's see, as 11-point underdogs with a total of 237.5. Pretty much where we're at right now. There's been no movement whatsoever. Uh, we got to 238 early this morning on the total, but 237.5 across the board right now, and those 11s are still sitting there. So if we go back, this is the, one of those, hey, um, consecutive series, right? Two, two days ago, Orlando uh, beat up on Washington, 139 to 120. Obviously, 159 points there, so that game goes well over the total. So you kind of think, all right, well, let's run this thing back and let's see what's going to happen for the market. Well, market opens two points higher. That thing closed 235 and a half. This thing opens 237 and a half. And I'm going to hate myself for doing this, but I did bet this game under the total. And I think that's playable up to 236 and a half. I played it under 238 when he got up there this morning. But I think, you know, when you look at this game overall, I think it is, I always try to, especially in these series, right, we'll call them, where two teams are playing each other consecutively. What happened in the first matchup and why would you make an adjustment off of it? And what happened in the first matchup was Orlando, a team that is uh, very subpar in terms of three-point shooting, 19th in three-point shooting, uh, 15th in non-garbage time offensive efficiency, went out there and was incredible. Offensive rating of 137.1, uh, extreme efficiency from the three-point line, 14 of 22, like the question is, can you bank on that again? Do, are we really going to expect that Orlando is going to be able to work with this hyper-efficient offense again against Washington? Now, the Wizards are the worst defense in the NBA, and the margin between them and 29 is growing. Like They are not a good defensive team. But in a rematch like this, where you have some familiarity, where you played each other, uh, where you just played one another, where Orlando, a very good defensive team, is going to be able to, I think, key on some stuff that you guys did offensively in the previous matchup 
and some regression in terms of the efficiency for a team that is pretty average on offense. I think all of those things come together to at the very least with a total that's two points higher than when it was the first time around. I'm willing to go under 237 and a half. So I'm going to hate myself watching this game because it's still going to be, I think, a pretty quick game. And obviously it's the Wizards, so there's going to be some efficiency on the offensive end for Orlando. But I'm just playing against the number here. I think it's a, I think we shouldn't be adjusting that based off a hyper-efficient outing from one team that is below average on offense. Next up, Philadelphia 76ers on the road against the Boston Celtics. Boston, a six and a half point favorite, total of 224, 224 and a half. I got a 225 on the screen as well if you want to go under that number. Um, no real move on the side, and that's because of the injury report and what we're expecting here. For those who weren't paying attention on Wednesday, Joel Embiid, a very late scratch for the game against New Orleans. It was a 5 p.m. Pacific time tip. He was scratched at 430 with an illness. Excuse me, got the hiccups. And uh, he is questionable again today with the same illness. We still don't have Kelly Oubre out there for the Philadelphia 76ers. And you know, I got to tell you, it's pretty interesting. So the first game that Philadelphia did not play with Joel Embiid or played without Joel Embiid, I should put it that way. They scored 99 points. They lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then you go back to this last game against the New Orleans Pelicans and 124-114 doesn't really give you an idea of how lopsided that game was. I was on NBA League Pass for that one. And I mean, the Pelicans led by as much as 29. They were whooping that ass and not slowing down in any way, shape, or form until the fourth quarter. Very disjointed start. They had like four stoppages in the first 20 seconds of the fourth quarter. And Philly came out at a really strong effort in the fourth, cut it down to eight at one point, ultimately ended up losing by 10. But it was more about like a furious comeback against a team that clearly saw the writing on the wall that they were going to win this game, as opposed to looking pretty good. And I bring this up because if you look at the numbers for Philadelphia this season, they've been very good in the non-Joel Embiid minutes. Now, maybe the late scratch screws with you a little bit here, but the numbers would tell you that Tyrese Maxey without Joel Embiid, they have been a very efficient team. But that was not the case on Wednesday, and that was not the case in the loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves earlier this year. So you do wonder if there's some, some noise in these numbers. But after that game, plus 5.7 net rating in the minutes without Joel Embiid on the floor. Offense rating of 120, ranks in the 83rd percentile. So if Embiid doesn't play, the market told us on Wednesday he's worth about six points. I'd expect that this gets up to uh, probably about nine and a half or so. I do see – no, that's a different game, excuse me. So uh, we'll see. Actually, right now, Memphis-Dallas, there is uh, a lot of movement. We'll get to that momentarily. Um, but I would expect that this is – obviously, you don't want to bet this until Joel Embiid's status is, is figured out. All right, next up, let me get the updated injury report here because we're at the 9.30 a.m. Pacific time mark, and we do see a lot of movement in the market as we are speaking, specifically with the next game, Memphis on the road against Dallas. Uh, let's see, added to the report. Yeah, Luka Doncic not going to play today, personal reasons. So Doncic is out. Tim Hardaway Jr. is questionable for Dallas as well. So this looks like a spot where uh, you're going to get a shorthanded Dallas Mavericks team. Having said that, they're laying six, now total of 227. So we're down from nine and a half and 227. Uh, somewhat interesting, I guess maybe there were questions about whether or not uh, Luka Doncic was going to be available today. Let me double check this injury report. Um, no, uh, it's interesting. Only because I, I say that because we were at nine and a half. Now you're down to six. I think there's an argument to be made that Luka Doncic is worth more than just three, uh, three and a half points to the point spread. So as we see this adjust, I would assume we're going to keep coming down here just a bit for Dallas at home against Memphis and, and Memphis kudos to them. They did get a big win the other night against Utah. And it was a great point that Sean Little on the broadcast brought up when I was on the NBA bet, NBA bet stream, Sean Little over at the action network was with me as well which was 
it was a perfect spot. You had a couple of days off. You were sitting there waiting for a team that's kind of on your level, that's pretty beat up, didn't have Larry Markinen, and you circle that game because you're kind of desperate for a win. Memphis went out there and got a really big win. And really quietly, to give Memphis some credit as well, uh, their defense has been playing okay. They're, they're 15th in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. They lead the lead in opponent shooting within four feet of the basket at 59.4%, only giving that up at the rim. So some good things to like here about there, – there's some things to like about Memphis. And there is a shot, because I do believe Taylor Jenkins is a good coach, that they rounded in the form at the very least are going to be able to stay within some numbers. And you would also think their offense, which is uh, second last in efficiency, would um, their floor would be raised on that end against Dallas's defense, which is not particularly great, 24th in non-garbage time defensive efficiency, 117.9. So didn't have anything here. Uh, obviously, the Luka news uh, does dictate to what you want to do with this. I would say at minus six, again, I think that Doncic is worth a little bit more here and worth more than just, you know, three and a half points to the total as well. So we'll see if the market continues to kind of beat this number down. But right now we're sitting with Dallas as a six-point favorite. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back, wrap up with the last three games on the card here on this Friday. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Next up on the board, New York on the road against Toronto. Uh, one and a half with a total of 217. Toronto is favored at home. There is a two on the board as well. Uh, not much here in terms of movement and not much here for me in terms of analysis. Uh, Knicks, one of the best cover teams in the NBA. They're in a little bit of a rough patch on the schedule. They're three and two straight up, one of four against the spread in the last five games. They're playing their third game in four nights tonight. It's the second leg of a back-to-back for them. Also the third game of four nights for Toronto, but the the back end was on the back of the hack was on the front end. Uh, they actually had a day off coming into today. So do that what you will. Scheduling spot somewhat similar, although Toronto does get a day of rest as opposed to this being no rest for New York. Raptors, really the question is, can their offense operate here against New York? 24th in non-garbage time offensive efficiency uh, and 25th in half-court offense against Brooklyn. They really kind of struggled on that in the floor, did a good job defensively slowing down a team that had been shooting really well, uh, but on offense, didn't really have that much 
for Brooklyn's defense, and Brooklyn's defense is average at best. New York is a top six unit in defensive efficiency, sixth fewest points per 100 possessions this season in non-garbage time at 110.4. So kind of surprised. I mean, I'm not, not surprised, actually. Um, there's a little, there's like little movement. Again, opened one and a half, 217. We're sitting at one and a half, 217. I think that the market is probably just sitting back and waiting maybe for some clarity potentially on a um, on an injury report being this the second leg of a back-to-back. Knicks don't have to submit their injury report until a little bit later, so that's going to be something to monitor here. Maybe the market's waiting for that to take some shape, but as of now, nothing of note for the Toronto Raptors from an injury report standpoint, so just waiting to see what the Knickerbockers are going to do. Last, uh, last two, and uh, got some action here on this next one. San Antonio on the road against New Orleans. 12.5 the spread across the board, 237.5 the total. Um, we saw this total get bet up. It opened on the overnight 232.5 at DraftKings. So they got a little low on that. Other spots open 234.5. Regardless, we're up to 237.5 for very good reason. The, um, the San Antonio Spurs have been one of the best over teams in the NBA up to this point. 13-5 and five to the over. So the San Antonio Spurs have been last two games have gone over the total. They were on a really good run a little bit earlier in the season. It slowed down a bit, but still a team that doesn't play particularly good defense against a team that's starting to get healthy. Uh, New Orleans is going to get Trey Murphy the third back today. They got C.J. McCollum back on Wednesday. This team is starting around into form a bit, and Zion Williamson has been absolutely tremendous in recent games, specifically, of course, this last game against the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid, um, but absolutely dominating the Philadelphia 76ers with 33 points on 11 to 12 shooting to go with eight rebounds and six assists. But if you look, the last five games or six games, excuse me, for Zion Williamson, 28 points, five rebounds, 5.8 assists on 63.7% shooting from the floor. Uh, He's been absolutely unreal. Assist rate is up. His usage rate is pretty much even where he was at, but he's just being hyper-efficient with the attempts that he's been given here um, it's been going really well for Zion Williamson. And they're asking a lot more of him, it seems, as a ball handler and initiating the offense. And I think you're starting to see like why that is, because he can be really efficient with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's really got, I think, an adept skill set in terms of passing the ball as well. So I think we're going to start to see a little bit more of point Zion, if you will, as we move forward. But the play for me here actually centered around Brandon Ingram. And, and here's my theory. You know, so many bodies now coming back with CJ McCollum back with with Trey Murphy the third now in the lineup and Trey Murphy the third. I don't know if he's going to start or not, but he is a very good shooter. It is something that the Pelicans need, and he was going to be competing for a starting spot in the offseason had he been healthy. So the shots got to go. They got to even up, right? You got to divvy the shots to all of these places. And we saw with CJ McCollum on the floor against Philadelphia the other day. And keep in mind, CJ McCollum did not play that many minutes against the Philadelphia 76ers on Wednesday night. I believe he played 28 minutes. I'll double-check for you here because I got this right in front of me. Uh, McCollum ended up playing up 28 minutes, but he took 16 shot attempts. Brendan Ingram only took seven. And now with Trey Murphy the third in there, as a guy who is a shooter, who's going to space the floor, he's going to eat some of those shot attempts. I don't think Zion's going to be one of the sacrifice shot attempts. I think that you want Zion with the ball in his hands, being aggressive, getting to the uh, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. It has worked out for them over these last six games in which he's been much more aggressive. But I think the lack of shots or the sacrificing of shot attempts goes to Brandon Ingram. And we have small evidence of that this year. In the four games in which both McCollum and Ingram have played together, Ingram averaged only 13 attempts per game. And that includes a very minimal seven attempts this last game against the um, Philadelphia 76ers. Did get, five, uh, get, did get five attempts on the free throw line, but only seven field goal attempts. 
in the other 12 contests for Ingram that he played without McCollum, he was averaging 20 and a half shot attempts per game. So I think it's pretty clear that that McCollum is going to eat into Brandon Ingram shot attempts. And with Trey Murphy out there, uh, a Brandon Ingram shot attempt might turn into a potential assist in the direction of one Trey Murphy the third or others. So I played under 22 and a half points for Brandon Ingram today at minus 105. I think it's playable up to minus 120. Uh, we're starting to see the market shift a little bit here, but played Ingram under his 22 and a half points. I also think the Pelicans are pretty live here to cover this number. The other thing that you know, my thought was um, I had written down Pelicans team total over, uh, but that was up to 123 and a half the last time I checked. So I got priced out of that one pretty quickly when I went to go check what that was going to be. I thought we was just going to get under 120 uh, at about 118 and a half or so, but that was not the case. Let's see. Uh, let me give you the update on that. Let's see where that number is right now. Team totals are a lot of fun. I like watching. I like playing these team totals. They have been yeah, up to 125 and a half right now for the New Orleans Pelicans. So that uh, got, got me a little priced out there. Got me a little priced out there. Uh, all right. Next up and the last one, Denver taking on the Phoenix Suns. Denver's a two-point favorite on the road. Total of 225. Pretty simple one, too. Same as Boston and Philly because we have a big name and multiple big names that are questionable, and their status will ultimately shape the market. For Denver, Jamal Murray came back the other day, but he is questionable, as is Aaron Gordon for this game for multiple injuries, and Devin Booker is questionable for the Phoenix Suns. So any of those, mix of those three, don't play. That does affect the number. And until you get clarity on what their status is going to be, well, then I don't know if you can really play anything here uh, at all. So pretty safe that I think could scratch that one off. I know that's kind of a bummer in a, a... um, not lazy analysis. I think it's kind of safe analysis because you just don't want to put yourself in a position of grabbing two with Phoenix and then Devin Booker doesn't play. It ends up closing four. You want to put yourself in a position of laying two with Denver. Jamal Murray doesn't play and Devin Booker does and that thing closes pick. So it's just one of those, especially when you're talking about a game um, with a two-point spread. I, w- I would lean, i tell you this much, I'd lean to the over if you're going to get everybody on the floor here. So we'll see if that ends up happening. I think this should be a higher scoring game and thus maybe better in-game opportunities at that. All right, really quickly, before we get out of here, let's give you the thought process of Zach Cohen, who's uh, writing up on the website, of course, at vcin.com. New York Knicks at the Toronto Raptors. Raptors minus one and a half, minus 115 was the play from a side perspective for Zach. And then two player props today in Washington, Orlando, uh, Jalen Suggs over 14 and a half points at a small minus price of minus 102. And then Drew Holiday alternate steals two or more at plus 270 for Zach Cohen as well. Um, nothing from Kelly because he didn't text me and um, we're not going to wait. So with that, please like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, I'll be on Visa and Primetime later today if you want to go check that out. And um, I think I'll be hanging out at Circa later today to watch Pac-12 Championship game. So if you're at Circa, just come say what's up. Until then, and we will talk to you on Monday here on Hardwood Handicappers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.